Now I have a podcast. Ho, ho, ho. Okay, so Misty Taylor, thank you very much for uh, for joining us here on Not Suitable for Anyone. Great to be here. Thanks. Um, so, in case uh, in case you don't know, um, you know this is uh, you know this is the podcast where I talk about uh, all sorts of obscure genre films uh, that uh, aren't getting enough attention, and uh, you know try to you know interview you know writers, directors, actors, you know people in- involved with those. So, uh, thank you for uh, you know thank you for agreeing to uh, to come on and talk to me. Love it. Yeah, that's my uh, right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. Um, so the movie that uh, that I wanted to talk about today was uh, was one that you directed. It's uh, you know part of my you know sort of ongoing series on Christmas horror films, and that is the uh, that is the what is what is sure to become a Christmas classic, Santa Jaws. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's close. I feel like it's it's uh, it's having a good year, Santa Jaws. <laughs> It's definitely something that that we that we that we very much need right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great. Um, I think it's on IMDb. One of the reviews on it is uh, Santa Jaws asks so little but gives so much, and that's one of my favorite <laughs> things anybody has ever written about it. <laughs> oh, that's amazing, and that's 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 appropriate, I think, because I mean, obviously. You know when you when you see a title like that, and you know the 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 premise is, I guess, just to kind of tee up the premise is a um, uh, you know a young a young kid draws a a cartoon or a comic, um, a great white shark that swallowed an evil Santa, and um, and his drawing essentially comes to life. Of course, all the the wackiness ensues from there. So when you hear that set up in the, in the title, I think maybe sets a, a an expectation level uh, with an audience. Yeah, I think so for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what I thought was interesting about it, I'm not sure, you know, sort of how you think of the story. I actually, you know, when you when you kind of take a step back, it it's almost like a, um, it, it kind of reminds me of a monkey's paw type of story. You know, it's funny that you mentioned monkey, Monkey's Paw specifically because in the, I think the first or second draft of the script, uh, there is a textbook open on uh, Cody's desk, the main character, and it's open to a monkey's paw. And then he brings it up in the, in the script at one point, um, talking about like how it could be useful to them. So it actually was originally, the monkey's paw story itself was an element in the film before it got written out. Okay, that's interesting. And so, and so, this premiered what about a year ago? Uh, yes, um, last July. Okay, so during Shark Week. During yes, during Sharknado Week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, was this something? How did it end up with sci-fi? Was this something that was sort of always, uh, always intended, or did you guys make this first, and that was where it ended up? Uh, it was a, it was an order from sci-fi. Um, I actually came from the title came from um, the film I'd done uh, previous to this one, which was called Mississippi River Sharks. 
And in Mississippi River Sharks, one of the main characters um, is uh, an actor in shark exploitation films. And he lists all the movies that he's been in. And one of them is Santa Jaws. <laughs> and sci-fi thought it was so funny that they're, that's the one they wanted after like watching the movie. They were like, he mentions one Santa Jaws. That's, we'd like to see that film. And at the time, um, uh, the first season of Stranger Things had just come out and they really wanted something with like a group of kids. Uh, so that's kind of the origin of how okay. <laughs> how that happened, how that came to be. This is a little bit different. A lot of the movies, you know, that I and the directors that I talk to, they're just they're sort of working independent, completely independently. Where, uh, you know, maybe they did some crowdfunding or something. Um, but you have to you have to you have to shoot and edit a movie to fit you know a certain TV time slot where it's got to run for a certain length of time. It's going to have commercial breaks. Um, so what is uh, what, what is that experience like? Well, it's actually kind of the opposite of like an independent film in the sense that it starts with the title. Like, <laughs> you know, in the case of Santa Jaws, that was from another movie. But for a lot of the sci-fi original movies, they, they'll have just basically like pitch days. And it's just like where you send 30 titles to them and they're like, these are the two that we want. And so from there, you, you do like a short you know, synopsis, they like the, they pick the one they like, then from there you do a treatment. And so you kind of like build the script with the, the network and there's like certain requirements of like, it's broken into, you know, eight acts and each act has to have one gag, like VFX gag or, you know, so it is very formulaic and very specific. And yeah, down to the frame, it has to be a specific runtime. So there's a lot of specifications and you're really, um, tied in very tightly to uh the formula of it all but that's kind of cool too and freeing in a way <laughs> to yeah. have that level of restriction yeah it's interesting because it sound when you say it it sounds very restrictive but i imagine that that kind of opens things up and allows you to be uh, allows you to or maybe even forces you to be creative in other ways yeah uh definitely definitely the case especially these are very like very tight timelines, very low budget, which also also forces you to be super creative. So like all those things combined, it you know, you're forced to kind of come up with creative solutions that you never would have to otherwise. That sounds really exciting. And um you've worked on a couple of other other shark movies for us. So I guess maybe let's let's go there first or next. Um because you you talk, you mentioned Mississippi River Sharks. I think you also did uh was it Ozark Sharks? Yes. Um, and zombie sharks yeah. and zombie sharks before that i've directed and then also i've edited a ton of movies uh i was i was an editor before i was a director so i've done a ton of sci-fi channel originals okay, okay. um so what uh, what sort of draws you to uh, to shark movies i'm kind of a monster movie nut so i've always really liked monster movies um like as a kid i would always watch godzilla and then you know like there was like Predator, one of my all-time favorite movies. <laughs> like the movie I watched over and over as a kid. That was Jurassic Park, really the movie that made me like decide to be to get into film as like a kid watching it. Um, so I'm just kind of like a monster movie nut and just genre films in general. Um, so I'm just I love I love like a niche <laughs> a niche exploitation film movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and um, and I mean, and this one, you know, sort of hits the hits a lot of the uh, you know sort of the the, the monster movie points uh, just to a T. I mean, you can definitely tell that um, you know that 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 you're well versed in those tropes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, definitely. I, <laughs> I I've watched a lot of uh, a lot of 
really niche cinema in my day. <laughs> uh, that's great. And I love the, I love like the cold open uh, to this movie. It's oh. fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was so much. One of my very, very favorite things to direct is um, anything with stunts. I love shooting stunt work and um, I never, you know, it's, it's hard to do on these budgets uh, to like have fight choreography and stuff like that. Um, and so I really was, that was one of my very favorite things I've ever gotten to shoot. <laughs> yeah, that was, um, and it, it's, it's really fun. And the, uh, you know, the, the dialogue in that opening scene, you know, it's, it's very different and it kind of, you know, it, it really catches you off guard. At least it caught me off guard a little bit because it kind of starts at, you know, what you would expect the end of a movie to be. Right. And, and the dialogue feels like, you know, something that maybe like a 13 year old kid would write. Um, and then, you yeah. know, you, the framing device comes out and it's, oh yeah, we were, we were actually watching something <laughs> that a couple of 13 year old kids put together. But one of my favorite lines, you know, when, uh, uh, you know, when the guy tells evil, evil Santa, who's played by Creek Wilson, uh, he says, no sugar cookies for you. You're going to eat your words. <laughs> <laughs> it was some really fun dialogue for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so that that was that was a lot of fun, and so you you kind of establish a tone a little bit early, even though it's very, even though what we're seeing, I guess, is is different than the story that we're actually going to watch. It still sort of establishes this lighthearted uh, kind of B movie tone, um, and and sets that uh, sets that expectation, and then also you know sort of gives us you know the origin of of Santa Jaws as a character. Yeah, that was um, originally the sort of cold open because we wrote multiple pitches I guess if you will for for the title and the cold open was its own sort of movie idea and then whenever they were like we want to do like a stranger things goonies sort of thing with it that's we were like we really like this like going full out with this b-movie um trope stuff so we like made it made it the opening (laughs) okay um yeah and so uh, so that's fun. What I what I like about this is a, a lot of times when we're isol- you know in horror movies about kids where we're isolating the kids, you know the family, the parents, they're either not around or they're very unlikable. But here I think like his family's actually they're 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 all I mean some, they're they have their own personalities and some of them are you know maybe more tolerable than others. But in, as in general, like they're all they're all individually in their own way they're all kind of likable um you know decent uh, decent people yeah i think I, I i get exactly what you're saying there are definitely a lot of movies centered around younger characters that like goonies is a good example actually like, the parents are pretty non-present you like know what their problems are and then the kids go kind of do their own thing and they're just like that small intro but yeah the whole family is really like intertwined into the story and it really is kind of like a ultimately a family story you have like the workaholic character um, who you think he's kind of, you kind of, when you first see him, he's always on his phone and everything. You think he's just going to be an asshole. Um, but he comes out, you know, sort of in the evening and has kind of, has this heart to heart with Cody. And he's actually like, he's actually really nice to him. You know, you can tell they all care about each other. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely has some, um, that's, that's something that I really have over time tried to integrate into like all my movies is like just really solid, uh, like character development as opposed to a lot of because I've edited you know a lot of these movies and everybody's so flat and it's I always 
that, that's why I guess my problem with a lot of like, you know, the sci-fi channel originals and stuff that I've edited in the past is kind of like, I wish that we knew more about this person, you know? <laughs> and so I always, you know, whenever I, the writer's writing the script, my direction is always like, yeah, let's think about character motivation and like, what happens to this person? Are they just standing in the background the whole time? Or, you know, because those are the things that have always kind of bothered me about lower budget movies. And, it's, I, you know, nothing makes you care more about a movie than like caring about the characters, so. Sure. Right. Because, you know, it's very it's very easy to fall into that trap, I guess, in these movies where uh, the mom character is the mom and that's that's her only defining characteristic. And, you know, and the older brother is the bully and the, you know, the, the workaholic guy is always on the phone. And, but here, like they all have personalities um, and they all feel like real people. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's super important to me. So I'm glad that I'm glad that's noticed. And you're not the only person that's been like, you know what I like about your movies is all the people seem like people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. And for the story to work, you like you have to isolate Cody a little bit um, because that's really what kind of propels him forward because it's his arc uh, really that we're that we're watching. So he gets into trouble, you know, with his parents very early in the movie. And I, I am I'm a parent of a of a 13 and a and a almost 15 year old. So when he starts talking about his First Amendment rights and things, it it rings very naturally to me and <laughs> my experience as a dad um, because, you know, that's, that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what kids at age do. I mean, they're really trying to, you know, test and push those boundaries. And it's a really, it's a really funny moment, but uh, it's really, I think, uh, very authentic. Yeah. He's definitely like a character that I, um, early on, I was like, he needs to be like an angsty uh, kid that's always ready to grandstand and he's always right in his own mind, you know? <laughs> I've seen him compared to Edward Furlong. I can see that. I can definitely see that. They have similar sort of like, um, kind of, uh, what's the, the, the sort of tone of their voice is similar. Yeah. And I could kind of, in, kind of in looks a little bit too. I can see that. Yeah. And even the look and, and really like you've, it's, it's got a very early nineties kind of look to it. Um, oh, Thank you. Good. I was, I wanted to do more production design to sort of give it that feel, but, um, you know, budget was really tight. So it was kind of like whatever we have, that's what it is. So, um, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it def but yeah, definitely, it definitely does have that, uh, have that kind of feel. You can tell, um, you know, sort of what it's, uh, what it's going for. Uh, and then, and then the other thing that I like about it is, um, you know, we're really like, once we establish the characters, um, you know, we're kind of off to the races right away. I think if the first kill is right around the 18 minute mark and it establishes that there are stakes, there are real stakes to this, uh, to, to, in real consequences. Yeah. Well, we had a really great exec on this one that, um, I really like working with at sci-fi and he, it was his idea when he read the first few drafts of the script, he was like, let's kill everybody. Um, and I was like, every everybody he's like everybody but the main character let's kill them all a spoiler alert <laughs> um, <laughs> and, so, and i was i was concerned to do that and um it but i was it was like one of those things that was a really good challenge of like how can we do this and not make this movie a total bummer um like how do we kill everyone and not just make it like just the saddest thing you've ever seen of a child losing his whole family. <laughs> um, but I think we were able to kind of strike a balance there and figure out how to do it. Um, 
but yeah, that was definitely like a trick. And also I think one thing that makes the movie kind of unique, cause like you said, it, it all of a sudden there are very real stakes and you're like that character died, what, you know? And so that, that is one of the, the unique things about it. Yeah. Yeah. I did like that. Um, cause it was, it, it definitely was unexpected. Um, you know, I, it, it, it sort of, it, you know, usually in the movies, you know, you would have, uh, and this is another another thing that I hate in movies is like, you know, this is kind of the point in the movie where you would have a fake out scare or maybe even an attack, but you would have, you know, maybe maybe one, only one person saw it, the other one didn't, or they're not really sure what they saw. So now everyone is sort of doubting, you know, whether there's actually a problem. Um, but it's it's pretty quick that everyone is is on the same page and they know that there's an issue and it has to be dealt with. And we don't have to go through this. Oh, nobody believes the main character. I mean, there, there's a little bit of that, but it doesn't, you know, it, it, it's, it's over very quickly. And and we're now, and we can get on to what we really want to see is, you know, people fighting Santa Jaws. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's what they're here for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, and I should say, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna spoil this movie. So, I think it is pretty uh, pretty easy to find. It's pretty readily available. Um, I, I found it on Amazon Prime, and yeah, it's on Prime right now. So. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, def- definitely check it out because um, there are a lot of there's 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 so many there's so many fun moments in here. I just that I just want to talk about them because they're um, they're really great. Uh, when we do see the shark, I mean, you really show the shark you don't shy away from it um because that's this isn't you know when when spielberg did jaws it was about the suspense and things but that's not the kind of movie you're making you're making a a creature feature where we really want to see the monster so like let's just show it um as much as we can i think that over time the shark movies i've made for sci-fi have become more and more um action adventure movies rather than like horror movies for the sake of like the requirements of like showing the shark and it's kind of like um if you if you are forced to lose that sort of like mystery and tension and like kind of horror element because of the requirements then it's like that the sort of action adventure vibe i think is is lends itself to more to like the modern sort of shark exploitation because we all know you know that that's the whole thing it's you're exploiting something that's been kind of done to death so it's kind of like how do you make that like fun and novel and so you know the tone i take is always more action adventure it definitely has that feel and the, and the shark effects i think are getting better and better for the budget range here the the effects i are i think outstanding and then we we had a really good mix something that's important to me is practical effects um, and there's actually a lot of practical effects in this, whether it's like a shot, we had a stand in shark, stand in Santa Jaws, like rubber shark, like, you know, stabbing the eyeball um, is one of the shots that was like a real stab to the fake shark and uh, anybody getting pulled in the water. We had somebody in a green suit, jump out of the water and grab them and pull them in. So their clothes move and the water moves and all that stuff looks better. The fin, anytime you see the fin moving around in the water, that's a real fin, that like a real uh, remote control fin with a Santa hat on it. <laughs> um, so all that's like a lot of the effects in the movie are practical effects, uh, which I think just helps helps the movie out a lot and think, uh, yeah. put a lot more energy into the CG. Yeah, well, and it, it helps sell the illusion when you've already seen, you know, bits and pieces of something that that's clearly, you know, re- something real in front of the camera. Um, then when you have, you know, a half a second of a CGI shark, it, it just, I think helps your brain sort of accept that it's, um, that it's real. 
Totally. A hundred percent. Whenever you, I think that's really like the beauty of, or when CG works well is whenever you integrate it with practical effects, I think that's just like sells it, um, in my mind and just can take something that's like cheesy and mediocre in the wrong way and make it cheesy and mediocre in the right way, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. The, the, I think it's I think it's the next kill at least the next kill that we see it's, it's sort of my favorite moment uh, when we have someone you know dressed as a Christmas elf and uh, and he gets attacked <laughs> and then you have a shot of him like walking on like the stumps of his legs <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't I can't remember if I've ever seen that uh, or anything like that before that was a, and the, the the fellow that plays uh, that character is also our stunt supervisor um, uh, who cracks me up he's hilarious and um, yeah, it, it started like with the idea of like, how do we get somebody to lose their legs? And then the, one of the things that always happens like on first drafts of these scripts is the execs come back and they're like, you can't just have every action moment be a shark popping out of the water and biting something and going back into the water. You have to like get more creative than that. Um, and so that it's always become such a challenge of like, okay, so if the, sh- if we want him to lose his legs and then become short like an elf, then how can he lose his legs with the shark, but without the shark biting his legs off, you know? And so it kind of forces you into that corner of like, again, that sort of like having, being forced to be creative, like something you never would have had to think of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's a, that's a, that's a fun, uh, that's a fun moment. Um, and then um, the shark kind of gets, it gets more, uh, gets gets creative and gets more power, sort of as as things go on. The um, the Christmas light lasso, I thought was a was a really fun uh, was a really fun moment. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I I liked the idea about this shark specifically being able to um, you know u- utilize magic, if you will, <laughs> and so. <laughs> uh, you know, I never have had that sort of luxury with the shark. They're always really kind of creatures that are one-dimensional you know they like swim bite eat things and that's kind of it but here it's like this is a sharp like a a a smart shark that can use christmas items in creative ways to kill (laughs) uh and of course and there's like the magic pen uh that cody uses to like bring her to life and so the modifications they do to the shark throughout the movie and stuff i think were really really fun to um element of the movie to like change the shark as you go right and um have the shark be able to take people out with things like a christmas light lasso and stuff like that yeah and i thought the the uh, the, the broken christmas ornament teeth i thought was another good uh, another good idea because uh, if you ever if you ever dropped one of those they might shatter if you dropped them on the carpet and they were sharp <laughs> yeah, i remember that definitely i know exactly what you mean <laughs> Um, so yeah, so, so that, that kind of makes it fun. It kind of, I guess, keeps things from, uh, you know, from, from getting stale in, you know, in, in ways other than, you know, having just drawing like three heads or five heads on a shark. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that was like, I think one of the, 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 the unique charms about Santa Jaws and what makes it a fun shark movie, you know, especially for, for Christmas. It's like a, it's. It's a good one. I think most people would enjoy Santa Jaws, like even if they're not really into shark movies. 
Yeah, yeah. It's it's very it's a very easily uh, it's very enjoyable and very you know sort of easily watchable movie because it doesn't. <laughs> there's this whole discussion about between uh, between Han Tran and I can't remember the uh, I can't remember his name but uh, the actor's name but Josh the older brother. Uh, where they're talking about stereotypes and they're like, well, we're all st- part stereotypes. And it almost feels like a self-awareness. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was uh, for sure a statement on like the movie tropes. Definitely. And then I wanted to ask about uh, the, the comic book store. As I understand, that's a real, is that a real store in uh, New Orleans? Uh, it's, it's right outside of New Orleans. It's in um, a city called um, Mandeville or Covington. They're right next to each other. One of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yes, it's uh it's it's nearby New Orleans, yeah. Okay. Um and you have this you have this comic book store character and this is where, you know, this is where the sort of the monkey's paw thing starts to come in because at some point he gets control of the pen um and starts doing all kinds of terrible things with it. <laughs> He's hilarious too. He's uh Scott the actor that plays the comic book store owner is a good friend of mine and um he just cracks me up he's there's so much of like his scenes that I cut out his like improvisations that are just the funniest thing he's great (laughs) yeah yeah he's he he seems like that and he's 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 a fairly I think a fairly prolific actor as well um yeah yeah he and uh and the grandfather I can't remember his name but uh, the guy who plays the grandfather are both sort of veteran character actors at this point yeah, the grandfather's played by uh, Richie Montgomery, and he has been in, I mean, anything that films in South Louisiana, he <laughs> has a role in. And um, Scott, Scott Allen Perry, the comic book store owner as well, he's in a lot of stuff that films down here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're both they're both a lot of fun. He's drawn, he's drawn himself a Russian bride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is just, I mean, it's, it's just so, it's so gross. He like, he's like, well, I, you know, I, I could have drawn her so she spoke English. I don't even, I don't even know what that means exactly. Like, how do you draw somebody? I guess a speech bubble. That's a good question. But it almost becomes like, there's this moment where it's almost like, uh, it's like, the, it's, it's like, uh, you know, in Lord of the Rings when they're all fighting over the ring, like it's got this. Uh, it's power this power over him where he doesn't want to um he doesn't want to give it back yeah yeah that also a very fun scene uh because we had to do a stunt jump i love the stunts <laughs> <laughs> but, uh yeah that that was a that was a good one and then some of that dialogue is is improvised as well he did he he's he's great at like sort of like expanding the characters that he does scott yeah, he uh, he definitely adds a lot to to every scene that that he's in, but he you know he also has to get his comeuppance as and well. Boy, does he! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's uh, I guess I, I mean maybe shortly before that, but there was another one of my favorite lines. Uh, I just cracked. Up. I I literally had to pause the movie because I was laughing so hard. A shark came out of a comic book and can only be hurt by Christmas weapons. Think about it. Yeah. <laughs> It's just that think about it at the end that just I just I just lost it. Oh man, Reed too. He he uh he's so excellent. He um the 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 seriousness that he brought to it was is just so works so well. Um it, he <laughs> he the the one scene that I just in the script was reading and I was like this 
I might have to just cut this out. I don't know if whoever we cast, I don't know if it'll work, but he gives a monologue after his parents take away his phone and leave him at home. And he's like, knows something's going on and he has to like take action. And he's like pacing and eating candy out of a stocking and like talking to himself, trying to like solve this problem. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to work as it reads. And then he just did it and it worked great. And he's just really good. <laughs> he's just really good. I was shocked to hear it. And I was like, oh, this does work. He nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he does. He does do, he does a really good job with that. I think, uh, I mean, he, he really, I think propels a lot of this movie forward and, and, and kind of carries it on. And that, that leads to, um, I think one of my favorite, or I guess it's like the first, you know, sort of, you know, gear up sequence in the movie where he's, you know, he's putting things in a, in his backpack and the last, the last thing in the sequence is him like pulling the Christmas sweater on. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got this really serious music playing. Uh, it's just so much fun. I love a montage. Uh, absolutely love a montage. I feel like it's one of those things that I, I write in and everybody's like, we won't have time to film a montage. I'm like, we have to film a montage. We're just going to do it guys. But uh, yeah, that that is a really fun moment for sure. Like the gearing up moments and getting on his bike and like riding off furiously. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely a lot of fun and he's, uh, he, he's, he's great in it. And then the girlfriend, um, Jenna Courtney, Lauren uh, Cummings, um, you know, she she was in a couple of things before this, I guess, as like more of a more of a child actor. I think she was in the the collection and uh, in searching, um, and she does a great job as well. Oh, she's awesome. She yeah. They, you know, I have to say, this cast is this was one of the hardest movies that I've ever had to cast because uh, we on our time schedule and budget we couldn't actually cast children, so it was very difficult to cast adults to play you know, freshman in high school. Um, <laughs> so it was like quite a search to, you know, they, we kept kind of negotiating how old the kids can be because originally they wanted like 10 or 11 year olds in the script. And each time we up the age, we'd have to like rewrite the dialogue to be more age, you know, appropriate. And then we kind of landed on like, you know, freshman in high school age and being able to cast a, adults to play freshmen was I mean, I watch a lot of a lot of casting tapes and um, but geez, I mean, I really, you know, it was like a mixture of luck and just like really putting in a lot of casting work. But um, the cast is awesome. I, I they were all just brought a lot to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it I think I think it all it all does really, uh, really work on Tran as well. I think I've seen like I said, I've seen it mentioned. I've seen him a few other things. Um, and he's just, he's just a, he's such a funny guy. He is. I love, he's yeah. And he's like one of those all in and really like physical, uh, actors too. I didn't realize in a retrospect, I would have like, uh, given him more physical work to do, but he's like a really good break dancer. And <laughs> I didn't know that till like the rap party and he starts break dancing. And I was like, I wish I would have known. We <laughs> I certainly would have written in a break dancing scene. That's, there's no doubt about that. But uh, I know for next time, next time right. I cast him in something. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 for the sequel, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he'll be a you know a professional break dancer in <laughs> Santa Jaws too. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah, that's funny. That's really funny. I had no idea. Um, every every time I see him, um, he's a really good sort of uh, sidekick. Totally, totally. Yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> All right, and so and then 
I love this part. They tried to take a picnic table apart and turn it into a catapult. (laughs) That was a working catapult that we actually catapulted turkeys into the river. (laughs) Um, It looks like a bay or a lake or something, but it's actually a giant river uh, called the Trifuncta River. But uh, yeah, we were actually launching turkeys into it. We had, and we launched a lot of turkeys into it. That's, that's a fun moment. And um, I guess when we've got, so I guess we skipped over, I skipped over a part, but uh, the, where, you know, where they're trying to, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to figure out how to, you know, sort of neutralize the shark, you know, so he's like, well, get, you know, get rid of its teeth. And then he, he figures out a way to, uh, or she, sorry, she figures out a way to get her own teeth uh, with the Christmas ornaments. Um, and then uh, they try to impale her with, with something and she, it just ends up, she just ends up with a, a giant spear, like a, like a narwhal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's like that monkey's paw element, you know, like with the, the magic pen of like, like everything they do just sort of backfires every time they use magic. Um, but yeah, so the monkey's paw was, that was a very astute observation. That is, that was a big inspiration. <laughs> um, so, and that, and that that gives us a sort of a really or, you know a really fun finale where now the sh- now the shark is really festive and decorative at this point because um, you've got the you know, you've got the candy cane um, you know sort of you know unicorn horn or, or narwhal horn or something at the front and the colorful teeth and the Christmas lights on the tail and um, uh, so we have just this explosive finale where basically everyone who's left uh, dies sort of one by one. Yeah, because all all that's really left at the end is you have like your immediate family as the, <laughs> the brother, the mom, and the dad, and it's like just kind of knock them off one by one as they try to take a the shark down. And even whenever you think she's done, she's she comes back. There's multiple explosions. Then. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, it's a it's it is a quite a quite a big finale. <laughs> and so Cody does finally figure out sort of how to uh you know how to defeat the shark and save his family um and so you have almost this like it's almost this like krampus type moment uh where you know he wakes up and it's christmas and and sort of you know everything uh everything's okay um so i guess this was uh you know this this was a this was that solution you were talking about of you know how do we how do we how do we do this but not have it be just a total bummer Right. Yes. So, um, yeah, there's like a redemption moment where everybody kind of comes back and it's, you know, um, he's like learned his lesson, but he gets his family back, um, from, from the lesson learned, if you will. But, (laughs) (laughs) but I think that was, that was really our solution for, um, not making it a total bummer for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's and it's creative in that you you sort of he sort of figures out how to use the pen and 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 it's almost like you know the writing process yourself. Well, okay, we've got this power, we've created this unstoppable beast. How do I? How do I? One, how do I defeat it? But two, how do I defeat it and you know sort of undo everything that's been done? Because even if he kills the shark at this point, I mean his life is is in ruins. Right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the sort of solution is like, well, we'll have him use the pen to like write his own fate and then burn the source of the shark, which is like the comic book. Um, and it all it all works and poof, he's like in his bed, it's Christmas morning and his family's back. Uh, so yeah, it was, I, I mean, it's, it's nice, I think, to be able to 
put somebody like a character in an impossible to solve situation. And then it's like, how do you, how do you solve this situation? Um, I think it's really rewarding to be able to, to figure out how to do in a story for sure. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's one of those things where when you're, when you're watching it, I, I have to imagine, you know, especially if you've seen movies before, you probably have some idea of well he's gonna eventually he's gonna have to figure out that he's got to do this to he's got to destroy the comic book to destroy the shark and that's that's the only way this works but um but like you know like but you still have to come up with a way to you know have him save everyone else uh, in the process and i think that may be something that um you know that that people are not necessarily expecting um that can be kind of that that surprise moment at least it was for me yeah yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, that that was a it went, that was I think it was a satisfying ending. And then it's a, like even beyond that, it's a little open ended with like him thinking about burning the magic pen and deciding not to. You know, <laughs> right? Left it a little open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's um, yeah. So there's there's the possibility of a sequel there because the pen is is still out there, and uh, you know who knows what he could do. Um, you know, maybe he can, maybe he can use the pen to his advantage and, you know, and not, and not be punished. Uh, who knows? I felt good about the possibility of a sequel after <laughs> Santa Jaws. So that I, I like did, I did intentionally leave it open for a sequel. Um, but that was really the last year that sci-fi did their Sharknado week. So from there, they tried to tr- like transition into like zombies with the movie Zombie Tsunami which is like how they closed out Sharknado week. Um, this is some pretty <laughs> pretty specific information on the history of sci-fi channel original movies and Sharknado week. But um, <laughs> so, but that didn't catch. They were hoping zombie tsunami would be the next Sharknado. Uh, but people love their sharks, man. They want their sharks. Um, but then after that, they've all but stopped making uh, original movies and they're, they're doing a lot of, more episodic like television shows uh for their original content instead of original movies uh but i i'm like such a movie of the week fan i think that they're like one of the most unique genres of film is tv like tv movies um and i don't know i'd love to see a resurgence of them like in in the new streaming world yeah yeah no that would be that would be fun and you've got some new you've got some new players now in the streaming space um you know peacock um and yeah. i think even tubi has been expanding because they they were got a they got acquired by fox uh so they've been they've been kind of stepping up and bringing and buying some bigger titles they, they're not quite i think at the original content level yet but i have to imagine that's that's where they're going uh, i mean i think so and i think it's been interesting because another type of film that i work on a lot uh, is Christmas is the new sharks, you know what I mean? So like Lifetime Christmas movies and Hallmark <laughs> Christmas movies are like the, the TV movies of the moment uh, right now. Um, so the last few years I've been doing, uh, pr- like producing and editing those. Um, not too keen on directing them, just it's not my cup of tea as like a creator, <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, but I am writing a cool sort of, because uh, Netflix, they did, their own sort of TV movies for Christmas. Like yeah. they did like Christmas prints and stuff and they did extremely well. And so I have uh, a movie I'm developing 
I'm trying to decide if I should talk about it or not. No, it's pretty fresh. I probably shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 I'm gonna keep it secret, but it's, uh, I'm working on something pretty cool <laughs> with all that, keep all that in mind. And yeah, yeah, I'll, no, that's, follow me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, no, that's exciting. Um, that's, that's really exciting because, uh, because you're right. There's so much, um, yeah, between between Hallmark and uh, between uh, between Hallmark and you know and ABC and all, all this, I mean the the Christmas movie, um, you know, phenomenon has just taken off. Um, you know, Netflix yeah. sort of jumped in with with both feet. You know, I think I think they did two Kurt Russell Santa Claus movies. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll tell you, for the last more than two years, um, the only thing, the only movies that I've worked on are Christmas themed movies, Santa Jaws included. And so, uh, and I've, these are films that I've also edited. So I've been listening to Christmas music for two years straight. <laughs> and, uh, so now I'm like, I'm, I'm quite insane at this point. So I'm willing, <laughs> I'm willing to make some really bizarre films at this point. Um, I have crazy ideas and I've been driven to the brink. Uh, <laughs> it's more Christmas music than anyone should ever have to listen to. But yeah. um, <laughs> And whenever you edit, it's over and over and over and over again. Um, but uh, yeah, so <laughs> that's where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that sounds really exciting. Um, cause I'm I'm a big Christmas fan. Uh, I'm a I'm a Christmas nut. My my wife and I uh, both. Uh, you know, we uh, she um, she texted me. I think it was I think it was like the it was it was uh, five days after Halloween, and she was upset that we hadn't put our Christmas tree up yet. <laughs> Man, people love Christmas, I'll tell you. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just well, you know, the thing is it's not that I have it's not that I have anything against Thanksgiving. Uh, it's just that um, you know, you come right from Halloween and the next holiday is Thanksgiving and you know, and Halloween is kind of like oranges and blacks and browns and then Thanksgivings are kind of like yellows and reds and browns and and it's like it's kind of a, it's the same colors and I'm like, "No, I'm ready for something different. I'm ready for the bright you know, greens and reds and blues. Um, That's a good point. I never thought about it in terms of like uh, changing color schemes, but that does make sense because you do with decorations, at least you want to, you know, mix it up, change them up. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. That's, that's what I like about it. So like, I don't, I don't mind, like I can put up my Christmas decorations and I'm still going to celebrate Thanksgiving, but it's like, I don't have, I don't, I don't, there's no, I don't have a Thanksgiving tree, <laughs> like right. you know, so it, it doesn't hurt anything. It doesn't hurt anybody to, to, to put it up and, you know, have the lights up and you can, you know, sit, sit at night and drink your wine and, uh, you know, read by the Christmas tree, um, all through November. It's fine. I, yeah that, okay yeah i'm with you that's nice that's i'll admit it's nice <laughs> <laughs> um so okay um so um you so you talked a little bit about what you're what you're gonna do next i guess we're gonna have to wait and find out what that is but uh but i'm definitely i'm definitely excited this um you know santa jaws is definitely you know it was i i i watch I'm I'm sort of I, I kind of started this podcast because I will literally watch anything. Um, Same. <laughs> and I love when you know when a movie can just surprise me and you know and especially like you know something like uh, you know like this um, you know or I just did uh, I did an episode on the Velocipaster uh, oh, yeah. a couple weeks back with with Brendan Steer and that's another one where you know the title came first and then they had to kind of uh, let's, let's write write a movie around that and. 
you know, usually those things are just those things are just not good because, you know, like I said, sort the creativity kind of ends there, and everything becomes you know stock. And so I'm always excited when something can surprise me and say, oh, okay, there's actually you know there's actually you know quite a bit of heart and effort you know put into uh, you know put into something like this. Um, and when you're when you're navigating when you're doing all that and navigating uh, you know working with a studio. Uh, like sci-fi that has all these very very specific requirements uh, i think uh, again that's just you know another uh, another notch in the achievement it's it's a miracle to me the more stories i hear it's a miracle to me that any movie ever gets made anywhere uh. <laughs> very true man if somebody you know gosh it, it, that's one of the things because i'm a you know huge fan of like low budget cinema exploitation film and like I, I love watching them and just kind of thinking about film and the resources that they had like the fact that that movie exists is always like it's kind of a miracle it's a minor miracle every time an independent film is made you know an angel gets its wings it's amazing <laughs> um but it's I mean yeah kudos to anyone that's ever made a film because it's, it there's always a moment where you're like this is there's no way this is actually going to happen um, at this point, like, <laughs> but yeah, huh, you're right about that. Yeah, it's funny. I was just watching one the other night uh, on Amazon Prime, uh, which I, and Amazon Prime is great for this, I think, because they have the, the, you know, the Prime Direct. You don't have to even, you don't even have to deal with a distributor if you want to, you want to release your movie. Uh, you can just, you can just do, you can do that. Um, and I, I watched this one called Christmas with Cookie. Oh, I haven't seen that. It's uh, I I highly recommend it. It oh, um, it it looks like it was made for about twelve dollars. Um, one of the main characters the the main characters wear a mask, and they do have a they do have a reason like in the story why they wear masks. But I'm pretty sure the actual reason was to um was to disguise the fact that the that the same actor was playing multiple characters in the movie. Oh my. <laughs> Um, I think all the dialogue was ADR, uh, if not all of it, a lot of it was. Um, and at one point, uh, at, at one point, the background is just, is just a brown tarp taped to a blue tarp. <laughs> I'm going to watch it. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty wild, but just, just that, that the, the creativity, you know, and the. And and the guts to just go out and say we're gonna we're gonna make this crazy thing and then and then you know release it to the world um, is just it's just really fun to me. Um, I, I fully support it. I think anybody that wants to make a movie should make a movie. Like no matter what your resources are, you should figure it out because it's extremely rewarding <laughs> in the end. Whenever you're like, wow, I made this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So. Um, all right, uh, Misty. So where um, where can people you know sort of find you and keep up with you and and follow you online? Uh, the best place is definitely Twitter, um, and my Twitter name is Misty F N the letters and then Tally T A L E Y. Um, so you can, actually, if you Google me, my Twitter will come up. I think uh, I have a Facebook and an Instagram, but I'm not too big on social media. But most of my like work updates happen on Twitter. So okay. All right. Um, so if, yeah, everyone give uh, give Misty uh, Misty a, a follow on Twitter, and you know, and, and check out Santa Jaws. Uh, you know, let us uh, let us know what you what you thought of it for sure. 
Uh, Misty, I really appreciate you, uh, you know, making time to, to come on today. This, uh, this has been great. <laughs> really enjoyed the conversation. And um, um, I just wanted to say thank you and, you know, hope we can do it again sometime. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, whenever I drop the next guy, well, let's do another <laughs> another interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, ab- absolutely. And I should say to the listeners, we tried to get next time we'll have to get Carly involved. Um, I tried unsuccessfully to get uh, to get Carly from the Final Girls on the show because Carly is the shark uh, the shark movie expert uh, in the in the horror community. Uh, I think everyone knows that, uh, but unfortunately, we just couldn't get. Uh, couldn't get schedules worked out. There's just there's just too much to do. <laughs> it's too close to Christmas, and uh, and I am a terrible planner. Um, thanks everyone for listening to Not Suitable for Anyone. Uh, as always, I am Patrick Anderson. I appreciate your time. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at finhorror uh, or at NSFA Pod, and send me an email notsuitablepod at gmail.com. Let me know what you thought of the show. Let me know what you thought of Santa Jaws. Let me know what you think of these Christmas episodes. All right, and one last shout-out. Our theme music for the Christmas series is Christmas Alone by the band Free Parking. Uh, You can find a link to their Bandcamp page down in the show notes. Thank you very much, Free Parking and Brendan Steer. Misty, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks. And Merry Christmas to all. Merry Christmas.